0: Omagyanati Mirandasya Khyananjana Salakaya Chakshurumilitam Jena Tasme Sri Guru Venamaha Namahum Vishnu Paraya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Swami Sri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhuparayate Namaha Guru Bhagyam Sri Rasidha Jam Shaktyabesha Swaroopine Hare Krishnati Mantrena Paschacha Prachatarene Bhishpa Charja Prabha Jaja Divya Karunya Murtae Sri Bhagavata Madhuja Gita Gyana Pradayane Goda Sri Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishevine Radha Krishna Padam Boja Bringaya Guru Venamaha Devam Divya suchandavadanam balaka Chelanchitam sandranandapuram sadeka varanam vairagya vidyam buddhim shri siddhant nidhim shubhaktilasitam sarasvatanam bramam Mandetam shubadam adeka sharanam nyashishwaram shidhara shri gouri vishnava guru parampara ki jai hari prabhu ki jai
1: bhagavad gita Sri Krishna So in the last discussion we talked we spoke from the three verses that introduced chapter four, which is about Jn, Yoga of Knowledge. And those three and three du- three introductory verses cause Arjuna to ask a question, with which our discussion begins tonight, text four. Arjuna asks a question, and Krishna answers the question from text five up until fifteen. And these verses from five to fifteen are uh, very important verses in the context of the Entirety of the Gita, and also in relation to the subject, uh, the topic at hand, knowledge. What's found in these ten verses from five to fifteen is the the seeds from which the middle chapters of the Bhagavad Gita are expanded, from which they grow and. Uh, blossom and bear fruit chapter 7, 8 9, 10 11 and 12 which is the theology of the Bhagavad Gita we haven't come to that yet but here as Krishna is beginning to speak to Arjuna about knowledge that means mystic insight that comes as a result of of cultivating detachment from the fruits of our activities. As we've often said by giving mysteriously we get. So when we focus that appropriately, how to give, where 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 that that's taken into consideration where to give, where can I give the most, where can the most be re- received, and so on and so forth. As uh, to the extent that we are able to uh, focus in on giving, sacrificing, so forth, and we get and mystic knowledge is is the beginning of real, real getting, hmm? knowledge of the self. So while he's introducing this topic here, knowledge of the self, he prefaces the whole thing with uh, an, a, an impromptu introduction into the theology of the Gita, which stresses what? Himself. In effect, he's saying, if we're going to talk about knowledge, we should really talk about me. <laughs> I'm the be-all and end-all of knowledge, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And so then, after these, after verse 15, he'll go on into the, the in a sense, the, the primary subject of, of the chapter, self-knowledge, mystic wisdom, mystic insight. And... In giving these uh, seed uh, verses, if you will, to the theology of the Gita, we, we, we learn much uh, about the nature of uh, Bhagavan, Krishna, God, the personality of Godhead. We learn, first of all, that, that Krishna is God going he, he comes out and more or less uh, says that here which is he hasn't to date and we learn from him about himself that he's omniscient that his uh, form is, e- is, is eternal. we learn why an omniscient eternal person will appear in a world, full of uh, it's temporal and full of ignorance one might wonder well, what is he doing here? Mm, we learn about that. Mm. we learn about uh, the nature of material consciousness that uh, inhibits one from understanding uh, the truth about God even if he should appear before you we learn that by properly understanding what he's talking about himself by that alone one can get liberation a very much sought after thing by other methods and we learn also of um, of the fact that there are many paths although there's one God there are many paths And how by, um, in consideration of the nature of one's approach or one's path, God will reciprocate accordingly. Thus, there are many religions, we learn. And um, we also learn how he, uh, in descending to the world, reciprocates with people who aren't interested, per se, in him. So this is a lot of ground, and I don't know if we can cover it all tonight. Each one of these topics would uh, require a discussion in and of themselves. But um, let's see how how far we go, and if we can't cover them all, then we have next month to continue. So, as I mentioned, tonight's discussion begins with Arjun's question. After... Krishna has talked about what? The history of his teaching, yoga. He said, oh, I taught it to the sun god a long time ago and it was handed down through this system of parampara from one teacher to the next, to the next, a system that I preserve and, and keep in order. And, and I'm telling it to you, Arjun. vaktosime utamam. It's a rahasyam, it's a great utam rahasyam. It's a supreme uh, mystery and secret, and you may wonder why I'm telling it to you. I've said I've told it to the sun god, and he passed it down to uh, uh, kings and royalty, and and, uh, you may think yourself insignificant in comparison to some of the people I've mentioned, but that's not the qualification. Don't misread me. To be a king or a wealthy person, worldly uh, by worldly estimation, great no this secret is meant for those who are my bhakta and my friend pakto actually, these two words uh, are encapsulate in 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 capture in a capsule <laughs> the uh, disposition of Arjuna bhaktos He sakha chiti. He is a friend of his sentiment, his eternal sentiment in love, a loving emotion for Krishna is that of a friend, mixed with servitude. So he's my devotee, means servant. This is bhakti rasa. Bhakti rasa is based on service. It means a relationship, emotions arising out of service to God. So, he's my servant and my friend. Because you're my servant and my friend, therefore, I'm telling you this. So, what our qualification must be to hear about this mystery and how we know? Oh, it doesn't require that we look good, we have education, come from a good family, we're wealthy, all of those things which you may not have or are hard to get. Our only qualification to hear this and understand this. Oh, to become a devotee and friend of Krishna. Then again, that's not so easy. Perhaps we may find, find ourselves naturally moving in the opposite direction, for wealth, <laughs> for fame, for recognition, position in society. No, don't move like that. These things will not give you any real wealth. They will not reveal any real secrets. Any and allow you into the mystery of life and how it works. You'll always be on the periphery, on the outside. Leave that behind. Come to inquire ardently, sincerely about God, about who I am, why I am. More how can I serve? If we can understand the way the world is working in this way, by giving we get, by giving we get. Giving is getting, giving is getting. Then as my Guru Maharaj used to say, I only had one question of my Guru Maharaj. What was it? How can I serve? Very good. How can I serve? so arjuna had that disposition but in spite of his being very much prepared to serve eager to serve being a devotee being a friend of krishna he really had some questions about some of the things krishna said so don't think i will become the disciple of uh, of of a swami and and uh, and he will teach me and it's uh, i'm going to be his servant and um I'd better just be quiet and do what's, what I'm told. And there's some scope for asking questions here, <laughs> intelligently and sincerely, and with a view to understand that I may may, may progress. So with that disposition, mm-hmm. which is elaborated upon later on in this chapter, here, Arjun, for the first time he's speaking in this chapter, he, his questions embody that spirit, he is pranipat pariprashenena sevaya. He is fully devoted to, to Krishna and he is uh, um, inquiring submissively. What does he ask? He says, Arjuna Vacha, Arjuna said, Aparam bhavato janma,
0: param janma, bivaspataha katam etad vijani yam tom ado praktavan iti.
1: You took birth long after Vibhushan was born. How then, to, then am I to understand that you instructed him previously? So, what Arjuna is asking here respectfully is that you said you spoke this to the sun god long time ago. Now, if you did that in another body, because we have body after body after body, life after life. The general, the norm is that one doesn't remember what they did in their past life, or to speak of many, 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 many past lives, long, 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 long time ago. So if you did it in another body, then how can you remember? And, of course, you couldn't have done it in this body, is the nature of the question, because uh, Krishna's body appears very human-like. Now, Arjuna is no all-knowing. He's a parikara of Krishna. But Krishna's put him in a situation of bewilderment for our sake, to ask these kind of questions. So he says, if it was in another body, how could you remember? And it couldn't have been in this body because Krishna's body appeared. He had two hands. He's driving Arjuna's chariot. He's taxiing him around on the battlefield. This is how closely and intimately associated he is with Arjuna. He's fully within the human society to the extent that uh, generally people would think, oh, he may be a special person, he may be clever, Hmm? he may have some mystic power or something like that, but wouldn't think his body is eternal and that in that body same body millions of years ago he spoke this to the Sun God so by asking these questions submissively Arjuna gives Krishna the chance to speak initially about his omniscience and his eternality and it's very nice the way he's done it. Arjuna is asked politely, and thus far in the Gita, Krishna has not said that much about himself, and there's much to be said about him, or much that he could say about himself, for our benefit. Are we hearing hearing here something about his nature. We have nothing, practically. Whatever we have not only in terms of our possessions, but our abilities, qualities. These will all be finished in a moment. In a moment. We cannot say when. But we are very proud and eager to to speak about our good qualities or to hear others speak about them. We don't wait politely for someone to ask us often. We are ready to volunteer information about ourselves. Now, Krishna has so much to offer, so much uh, to be said about him, that if he says all the wonderful things about him that there are to be said, it cannot be pride because it's just fact. He's wonderful. And it would certainly be for our benefit. Yet, he has not come forward in Bhagavad Gita to do that yet. He waited for Arjuna to politely ask him, to give him an opportunity uh, uh, to say so, so, all right, I can say something if you like. If you like, I can say something about myself. This is his nature. And he's so qualified. Naturally, Krishna has some humility. Maybe he's a cultured, cultured fellow. He has nothing to gain. If he extends himself, it is only for his devotees. How we are to respect here. Arjuna for asking this question. Hmm? Krishna wouldn't have spoken about it otherwise. He's told Arjuna you're my friend and devotee, I can tell you any secret you want. So Arjuna asked this, Tell me this. Alright, I tell you about myself. Hmm?
0: <coughs> so what does he say? He says Bahuni bhutitani janmani toba arjuna. So,
1: in a very clever way, Krishna answers. He says, O Arjun, O Parantapa, both of us have passed through many births. I know all of them, whereas you, subduer of enemies, do not. Subduer of enemies means Parantapa. O Arjun, both of us have passed through many births. I know all of them, whereas you, Parantapa, do not. He's addressed him in two different names in the same uh, verse. Now, these names have different meanings, and at different times in the Gita, they're I- I- invoked uh, for different reasons. Arjun means pure. Parantapa means, we heard it just in the last class, slayer of enemies. Arjun was addressed as Parantapa I- indicating his qualification. He was capable of of slaying his enemies in the sense of the mind and the unbridled senses which made him gave him some qualification other qualification. This is actually part of the qualification of being a devotee. <laughs> we should also know that <laughs> to be a devotee yes To be a devotee means that I had to control my mind and my senses. What does it mean to control my mind and senses? To devote them to Krishna, not to something else. So it was used in that way, but here he's using Parantapa in a different way, and he's using Arjuna in a different way also than um, uh, by way of saying pure, which certainly Arjuna is. He's saying, oh, you are ignorant, Arjuna, like the Arjuna tree. Trees are relatively ignorant in comparison to ourselves. It is said that birth in a tree body is a result of, uh, of the in- ingress of the material inertia or tamoguna. And uh, it is well known in the uh, Leela of Krishna that uh, two sons of Kuair acted uh, indecently and with disregard uh, before the great sage narada on one occasion and that he cursed them to become trees arjun trees it's a type of tree and uh... <laughs> in india type of tree and uh, the uh, medicinal effect of this tree uh, is uh... something that's extracted from it that's used for um, in in the care of the uh, heart, actually. Cardiac medicine in Ayurvedic uh, school. Just to give you some detail. But at any rate, these two were cursed to stand as Arjun trees, rather large trees, that means for a rather long time, cursed by Nard for their uh, acting... uh, They were indecently exposing themselves, (laughs) actually, uh, in a sense so I said Oh, you like to stand up naked then stand as trees hmm? human life is meant for something more important than that but uh, as is the nature of the uh, Krishna or uh, the sages the devotees when they uh, speak uh, harshly about towards someone or they curse someone there's a benediction in, uh, also uh, within that so, Krishna stand as trees, but in a certain place, in the village of Braj, where Krishna would appear in the future and, and, and be raised as, as a child, the home of Mother Jashoda. So, as trees, they would witness all the leelas of Krishna. And, of course, at a certain point, Krishna liberated them in the Damanar leela, the wonderful pastime of Lord Krishna. But here, Arjuna is, uh, Krishna is addressing Arjuna as, Arjuna, you are ignorant like a tree. And Parantapa. Parantapa means, uh, here it means, uh, hmm. Arjuna means ignorance and Parantapa means destroyer of enemies. And so he's saying this is the nature of material existence. It's twofold. It's based on ignorance of what you are. There's a basic ignorance, avidya, that's at the root of material existence. And once you are in ignorance, just like if you get intoxicated, you become ignorant of who you are. But that's not all, you do something else, right? You also act your basic ignorance, you forget who you are and then you act inappropriately. This is the nature of the influence of maya, the maya shakti of Krishna. Avaranatmika prakshepatmika. Two things. We are put in ignorance, hurled into ignorance, and then covered. And the covering causes us to act in ways that are inappropriate. What is an inappropriate way? to act, slaying enemies, thinking that you have enemies, friends and enemies. With this disposition, you cannot understand Krishna. I like him, I don't like him. I like her, I don't like her. This is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. All these dualities born in the mind, this is material existence. Prahlad Maharaj has described material life like this, friends and enemies. Those who can uh, s- understand Krishna, who can see Krishna, they s- have no enemies. If people act inimically towards them, they are much appreciative. They say, oh, you are the agent coming to remove my uh, past, my bad, bad, bad karma. Thank you. He thinks, whatever comes, I'm, I'm owed that. Who's ever bringing that is helping me to pay my debt. That may be freed from the karmic implications. He has no enemies. He doesn't see it that way. Make make these uh, distinctions, friends and enemies. I like this one, I don't like that one. That is the way we act when we are in ignorance. And under that influence, we can understand these things about Krishna. We can hear the theory and we can assimilate something theoretically, but to truly understand, that's not possible. Krishna lives beyond... Krishna has no enemy. He's the friend of everyone. Yes, he slays demons and so forth. And we're going to hear a little bit about that too in in these verses. But that's just uh, dealing with different people who approach him in different ways. And there's a benediction in that as well. But we want to... So here, Krishna, as he begins to, to explain about the nature of himself, his person, he prefaces his... Uh, discussion by saying if you want to understand me you have to become free from ignorance and the type of activities that, that are a result of ignorance so so stop doing those things cultivate knowledge and the symptom that we're actually cultivating knowledge is that we stop acting in that way and then gradually by acting in another way in knowledge through devotion to Krishna that ignorance which is at the core of our problem avidya which, which produces the whole karmic predicament, will be uprooted. When ignorance is uprooted, then all stages of karma, in karma in seed that has not yet fructified, that's about which is about to produce seed, that which is already bearing fruit in our life, there are many stages of karmic implication. They all be eradicated. And to take up uh, uh, the root, ignorance. This chapter is about knowledge. Come to Al. Come to Vidya. This is the end of the karmic implication. Asana and I would just I saw an article uh, 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 in a magazine. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but it was a it was a spiritual magazine that uh, uh, in the newsstand and said, "Whatever happened to karma?" It was a discussion between two spiritual fellows. Whatever happened to karma? Was a question but I can tell you it hasn't gone away. (laughs) It won't go away just by talking about it or thinking, oh yes, I've done this, I've I've worked out my karma here, i worked out my karma. Working out there, working out your karma means coming to to knowledge. And there's a a method for cultivating that knowledge. It's kind of a a science, if you will. It doesn't just go, go away. As it's exhausted, previous karma, if we don't, act appropriately at the present time we are just creating more karma so if we are to understand krishna we have to come to knowledge we cannot th- think i i like him i don't i don't like her we find ourselves thinking like this and we have to check our thinking we have to think we are on a, a path in a way we can say this is the path of love but then they may say also uh, that uh, there is no path to love. Love is the path.
0: Hmm?
1: You have to start to love. Hmm? And love means uh, from all sides. So if I love one but I don't love another, then it depends on what angle you look at that. If you look at it from one side, it will be, oh, loving him means not hating another. So is it love? Universal love? No. This, so this kind of love cannot give us Krishna consciousness, God consciousness. We're in universal love. So how we do that, of course, we have to understand the things that Krishna is speaking about here in the Bhagavad Gita. What is his position? And if we understand the properly, we center ourselves on him and then how we, we will see everyone else in relation to him not in terms of their embodiment, their mm-hmm. ignorance, their past, but in terms of of, of, of of what they are rather than what they're passing through, what their potential is. Devotees of Krishna who, who are uh, pursuing the uh, uh, devotional life um, are... Uh, to conduct themselves in a a particular way in relation to common people who are not uh, pursuing that. Jivadai, with kindness, compassion. And the most kindness and compassion you can show is by exemplifying uh, in your own person the very teachings uh, uh, that you have identified with. So, much uh, as i like to say change is required in our person if we are to really understand what krishna is speaking about here. these are very uh, high topics the theology of the gita is where it really lifts off in the middle chapters it 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 it, uh, it, it goes to great heights there in those chapters the seeds of which we are finding here so many things he says about him the way he speaks about himself so many statements he makes there in those in those chapters uh, the, the, uh, and, and about devotion to himself and the position of those who are intimately associated with him in devotion it goes so high so again he's just giving the seeds for that here and he's giving them along with the some very uh, pertinent advice to us. If we want to understand these things, we have to go there in a real way, not in a theoretical way, just to collect some information, just to change our, our nature. Not as a difficult thing. But do you think you'll get such a high thing as Krishna consciousness, without taking any trouble? And what is the trouble? Then again, we look at it from that side. What is the trouble? The trouble is to give up things and behavior patterns that are not helping me. (laughs) They're not in my interest. Most of the time, even materially speaking, but to speak of ultimately, is it reasonable? Whether you will give up that and you will get me, Krishna? We should be running after this, running after it. That's what we find in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, running after Krishna. He lived in Nadia and he was the love of the whole town. Charming, learned, beautiful wife. So many loving friends who cannot imagine the extent of their love for him. Everything going just like wonderfully doing, doing bhakti chanting bathing in the Ganga living happy life it wasn't enough for him he said I have to take sannyas and go and find Krishna ostensibly he was living a religious life this is the Naralila in Nadia like Krishna Leela in the Braj. everyone's going to church on Sunday worshipping Narayan but mad after Krishna when Nadia they're all Mahaprabhu was worshipping the Shaligram, morning and evening with his wife Vishnupriya, like a religious person and he goes out with his friends at night to sing and dance in, in Krishna Kirtan but he, he, he decided to leave home to become to, to be a sannyasi his friends said how can you leave and the mother said what kind of religion is this you're going to give up your mother what kind, of, what kind of madness is this? It's like if some young man wants to be a devotee, then Mother would say, because he's already a good boy. Hmm? That's why he wants to be a devotee. He's already good by ordinary standards, but he wants to be more good, to be better. But Mother's thinking, you're already a good boy. Why do you want to go like that? So you're already religious. You're better than everybody around already. Why do you want to go and join the monastery? And what about me? And Father will say, what kind of religion is that that put, makes family second? Family should be first. Anything that puts, that puts itself above the family, I question that. I have my doubt about that. <laughs> this is the common thinking. So in the supra-transcendental plane of Nadia, they're thinking like that about Mahaprabhu. Me, my pundit. But for our sake... He's thinking, I have to take sannyas and chase after Krishna. This is not enough. I'm going to leave all my friends in Nadia to go, and, and I have a happy life here. I'm going to go out wander barefoot without knowing where my next meal will be, come from, where, where, there, where, where if there will be a roof over my head or not, oblivious to all these things. But to speak of any creature comforts. Forget all those things. I have to find Krishna. And he told his friends, you should know like this. You have to find Krishna. Without finding Krishna, life is meaningless. Murari Gupta had to say, Anyway, you're God, you do what you like. You're breaking our hearts leaving here. But this is your
0: Leela. And this Leela? (inaudible) Mayamrigam. This Leela, for us,
1: Raj Lakshmi, Vishnupriya, goddess of fortune, herself was his wife. He left her. He told her, oh, I have to leave you for them. He said, in this Leela, we have to cry only for the jivas, fallen jivas. For their sake I'm going. And I perform I will perform my lila, my Acharja Lila, my lila where I teach bhakti by being a devotee myself. You cannot talk just like this from Bhagavad Gita only one week before the name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without his coming up. Hmm? <laughs> and for that matter, in this very section of the Gita that we're discussing tonight. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu makes his appearance. So to take some trouble, if we are to know God, we have to take some trouble. It won't come easy. But to change our life. We have to make commitment to move under good direction in that direction. Krishna begins his the introduction of speaking about himself as God. With this
0: kind of advice. And then he says what? Very important verse. Ajupi san, atma mayaya. in the previous verse he said,
1: I passed through many births, both of us have. I know all of them, whereas you don't. In this verse, he says, Although I myself am birthless and by nature imperishable, and although I am the controller of all beings, nevertheless, I remain in control of my material energy and manifest here by my own inner power. Now, as I say, in this verse, previous verse, he says, You and I have passed through many births. And in this verse here, to de- next one, he says, "I'm birthless." Sometimes you have to ask questions <laughs> when Krishna speaks. That's not an, not an easy topic. <laughs> At this particular topic is very esoteric. This is about what we call Abu Tara. Abutara.. Aba means to come down, and Tara means "tarati, to cross. So it means to cross from up to down. Gods, the omniscient. He said, I know all the previous births. You don't. I remember them all. I'm omniscient. And here in this verse, he's saying, I'm also of the, um, imperishable, eternal. And I come into a world that is perishable, and full of ignorance, I cross from up to down, and in doing so, I look like one of you, somewhat. Of course, now Krishna to us will look very different. If we look at the mystic uh, devotee's artistic depiction of Krishna, we'll think he doesn't look like guy I saw on the bu- anybody I saw on the bus on the way over here. <laughs> He's very different, very different. But given the times, he didn't look much different. Extremely beautiful and charming, but very human-like, nonetheless. So although I'm, he says, I am remember all my births, I'm birthless. How can it be? I'm imperishable. I'm the controller of all beings. Remaining in control of that of my material energy, I appear within it, Atmamaya. So there's a big word here. This answers everything. He says, I have a power, a certain power, Atmamaya. We call this Swarup Shakti. Here in this verse, as I said, the theology of the Gita is being given in a seed form. This is a, a, a huge installment here. He introduces his Atma maya, his swarup shakti, into the discussion. Bhagwan God, has innumerable shaktis. Shakti means like power, potency. If anything is potent, it means it has potency. If something has no potency, no power, the real question, does it even exist? Because if a thing does not have the potency, the power to make itself known, It won't be known. (laughs) So everything has some inherent power, some potency, some shakti. We are persons, and we have power. And when we exercise that power, that shakti, then we express ourselves. And if we are to be known, we will be known more by our power, the now person. In other words, we may know of a person, but if we don't know of his or her power, then how much will we know of them? If we show you a picture of a powerful, like uh, 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 the president, yeah. just another guy. But then if you know, oh, yeah, this is the power he has, he's the president. Mm. Then you will know him much more, won't you? You will look at the picture differently. Oh, that's impressive. Hmm. Impeach him. (laughs) (laughs)
0: He's got too much power. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) He's got too much power.
1: (laughs) So everyone has some power, and by the power they know. By the power they do things. If you say, I know Swami, Swami writes books. Hmm? You're talking about Swami and Swami's power. But which you'll be known definitively so God has power and those mystics who know Krishna well they have spoken about his Shakti and its diversity one Shakti we are under the influence of that is called Maya Shakti we just spoke about that it causes avidya ignorance and then in ignorance it causes us to act in ways that are inappropriate. Maya Shakti, diluting potency. So uh, the world is, uh, is, uh, is a manifestation of this Maya Shakti. Matter is uh, uh, moving under the direction of this Maya Shakti. How, and it's, it's fascinating. Have you studied science? I'm not a student of science, but I've heard a few things. Matter is inconceivable. If you're not looking at it, you don't know what it's doing. And if you look at it, it acts differently than if you didn't. (laughs) Isn't it? So what are the possibilities then, the point is, that lie within matter, matter is is a is the is this secondary power represents the, is a, is a manifestation of the secondary power of god matter is inert but still it's it's mystical how does it work what, what the scientists are looking at it very closely and they're bewildered by what, what what are the possibilities that lie within matter. We tend not to think like that. We tend to think that, that science got it all largely figured out and there are very hard and fast rules about how things work and matter moves and so on and so forth. But um, I remember there was a scientist, what is his name? A popular type scientist, Carl Sagan. He said he didn't need it really. He, 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 he didn't agree with the argument that science and its pursuit takes the mystery out of life, which, is a, which is, a, is a particular theistic argument that some people make. He says, I'm just fascinated by... I, it's just fascinating how... We don't know how it works. What are the wonders of, 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 of matter and so forth? So we say that from from our, this is our our also theological point, yes, such as the nature of the uh, uh, secondary power, the shadow of God, matter. Extraordinary. It's not independent of God, it's his Shakti, one of his Shaktis. So that means that there's consciousness that's in the background of matter. But nonetheless, matter is extraordinary. What are the possibilities? We cannot imagine. Now, that power has been introduced already in the Gita. Here he's introducing another power. He's saying, I am in control of material nature. And therefore, although I appear within it, my position is different than everyone else. Therefore, although I said I take many births, in the last sentence, and in this one I said I'm birthless, understand it in this way. I take birth as so many albutars, so many crossings, as I said, avatara, from up to down. And these avatars are wonderful. And they're described in the scriptures. And they appear in uh, very, sometimes, extraordinary hmm, forms. And people think they are only mythology, but they don't know about my nature, my atma maya, by which I make those appearances in this world, which is wonderful in itself, that an imperishable, eternal, omniscient entity would appear in a world of ignorance and, and, and temporality. What would, how would he do so? And, and what would his purpose be? These things are all being explained here. Material nature is extraordinary. What to speak of? My atma maya, my internal shakti. That potency that governs my movements. There are movements that govern the material world and those that are within the predicament of material existence. What is the predicament of material existence? Uh, It is the ignorance of, of, of having identified with the body as oneself and the subsequent activities that we pursue in pursuit of ourselves, which are all in vain. You follow me? I think I'm the body. I'm not. I want to be happy. There's no wonder you're not happy. You are identified with something that you're not. And what is its capacity uh, to to enjoy in comparison to yourself? Your consciousness. Bodies matter. As I've said many times before, without consciousness... How much does matter matter? If there's no one to think about it, then <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so we are, we are of that nature, consciousness. And we've identified with matter. Oh, goodness. We, are, we have shortchanged ourselves considerably. And we're looking for the joy that is inherent in our nature as a unit of consciousness in a place where it cannot be found. And it through through these holes ears, nostrils, eyes, in the tactile sense and so forth. We try to touch the world. It relays messages when we touch it and hear it and taste it and see it to the mind. Mind makes determinations I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. It's really all nonsense. It's not happy, sad, good, bad, all that just relative to your senses and your mind. You may say it's hot, I may say it's cold, which is it? Those are perceptions only based on the the glasses we're wearing. It doesn't get at the real nature of the of 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 being and existence. But to shed that means of perception. The self is the seer, the feeler, the hearer. What can this fleshy ear do justice to the, 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 the beauty that lies in sound? It's insignificant. The soul is a listener, a thinker. It's not because we have a mind we can think. It's because we have eyes we can see. Eyes, ears, mind, these are all manifestations of matter that are animated by our presence within them. Because we lend ourselves to them, they, come, they take on a life that we've identified with that life. And, then it, and it's at the cost of our real life, and real potential. So we are unsatisfied and we're pursuing satisfaction in ways we'll never arrive at it. This is the material predicament. We have to make a solution to that. This is the spiritual path. Such people bewildered by that, they cannot understand what Krishna is talking about. We have to move away from that.